was Kubitschek. Now, Kubitschek was a complete non-entity, but suddenly his old pal Hitler's the the most powerful man in Europe. So people descend on him. He gives them a highly favorable account of Hitler. Then the war comes and they interview him again, and he swapped around much more negative and probably more accurate picture. So you've got to also ask when, at what time in Hitler's progression, they were interviewed. That's true. Well, the other thing, too, with uh, the outcome for Renate, uh, she was committed to a sanitarium, and then she accidentally fell out of a window, so they say, after the Gestapo visited her. Yes. (laughs) So another one of his uh, had an untimely end. Had... I can't remember from the series, did the issue of Hitler having syphilis come up? You know, they mentioned ask about that. They mentioned his, I guess, aversion towards prostitutes. And at one point, August Kubitschek and Hitler, I think they were in Germany, and they, they walked by like the red light district, or they walked through the red light district, and Hitler wanted to go through twice so he could look at them. But it was more like voyeuristic rather than engaging. Yeah, he's sort of Salvador Dali keep everything at a distance and pervert it. But um, Hitler was obsessed with uh, syphilis. There's 13 pages in Mein Kampf where he rants and raves about syphilis destroying the race and how it is Jews that are carrying it around. So obviously that would fit into the issue about prostitutes. But there's kind of evidence that maybe Hitler had syphilis. Ah, unfortunately not. (laughs) Um, I I wrote a paper on that. I don't know if I sent that to you, but um, it's been examined quite carefully and particularly the eye specialist who treated him towards the end of his life was quite emphatic that there's nothing there to indicate it. So that's just um, a rumor. Interestingly, a comparison. You know, every great leader, a tyrant, they want to say has got syphilis. Now, we know Mao Zedong had gonorrhea plus, plus, plus. <laughs> they tried to put it on Stalin, but it didn't work. But interestingly, the Isra- some Israelis went to the Russian archives in 1992 and showed that Lenin had died from syphilis, which the Russians had covered up for many years. I mean... Syphilis was definitely rife during that period. And maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, with his platoon, he avoided going out with them. And I'm sure they were, you know, cavorting with prostitutes. And maybe it, it seemed like Hitler was kind of it was pathologically terrified of getting syphilis. And maybe that's why he avoided any kind of sexual encounters. Okay. I agree with you with the first part. He was pathologically obsessed with syphilis not only for him but as a sort of a national pollution um i just think it's one of the factors in his general avoidance of casual relationships and again choosing women that he knew absolutely about their backgrounds and that there was no chance they could have been highly promiscuous how that applies to kelly i must admit i don't know yeah (laughs) i wonder um so did he he outlawed prostitution though but it but it was I, I don't know if it was legal or if it was accepted prior to, what, 1930. Um, brothels were um, outlawed, but then several of them were set up with with people like Goering and Himmler as 
places where they could get information, in other words, to be informers. And then, of course, in the German army, um, the soldiers had what they called field brothels, usually yeah. Jewish women taken from the camps. The Spandau Ballets. And being forced into prostitution. Yeah. 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 So speaking of uh, things that, I guess, Himmler outlawed, um, homosexuality, that was something that was also commonplace in the early days of the Third Reich. But then Hitler kind of did a full about face on that. Do you think there's any credence to the theory that Hitler was a homosexual? No, I also read the book. Um, I, I, I just don't see anything in that. Um, the, the issue of the Third Reich's attitude to homosexuality, yes. Uh, the paradox was they were putting homosexuals with the pink star in the, in the camps. And yet a number of the leading members of the Nazi party were clearly homosexual and yeah. would go off and have these parties. What about the guy who was the head of the SA? Yeah, Ernst, Ernst Rome. Ernst Rome. Yeah, they found him in bed with um, with a young man and, that, and then shot him, of course. But he, but he was a, he was an overt homosexual, and it said in the series yeah. that he would uh, he was so close to Hitler that he called him Addy. You see, you got to remember in the early days, this is a party building up that completely obscure. They need anyone they can get hold of who will back them up. So, in that sense, Hitler was prepared to overlook it. But as he moved up, as he got into power. It was more the image he wanted to project, and therefore that was uh, outlawed. Well, in the series, they postulate that he killed Rome to hide evidence of his own homosexuality. But that's spurious. Nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was the other thing, too, that uh, Rudolf Hess, who people also say was a closeted homosexual. But and, and in the movie, they postulate that Hitler was intimate with Hess when they were in prison together. Oh, no. Once again, yeah. I don't know. You, you can't really prove these allegations. There's no real evidence. It's no. all hearsay. No, it's it's all the same thing. You've got to look at who gives the rumor, when they give it, and their credibility. And simply the fact that the two of them were in jail and Hess was, he's essentially, he's amanuensis and writing down his dictation for Mein Kampf hardly makes him into a homosexual. Uh, Hitler had his own almost palatial kind of room in the prison where he had all sorts of facilities and privileges and Hess did, certainly wasn't stuck in a cell with him. So let's uh, chat about Eva Braun. So we did mention that uh, that he was, you know, secretive with her, his relationship with her. Do you think she was miserable? Like, do you think she resented the relationship? You mean resented the control or being in a relationship with him? Well, they were together 13 years, never married, never had children. Um, it, you know, it's it's kind of common knowledge that she was sexually dissatisfied because didn't she reach out to Dr. Morell about a, like a, I don't know, Nazi Viagra that had like bull semen in it or something? She did. Look, remember she'd made two attempts at suicide, what we'd call parasuicide, because he spent so little time with her and she was just tucked away and sent money and told to behave herself. So she was enormously frustrated. And whenever he would bring her to the Bavarian uh, palace that he had there, 
um, she was delighted to mix with that top Nazis. And of course, you could also ask, well, why did she join him at the end to kill herself with him and get married when she could have stayed where she was at home and, and survived? That was one of my questions. I was wondering why would she join him in the bunker and get married after, after all this time? I mean, was she in love with him? How do you define love? I think she was had invested so much of herself into the relationship that she's sitting there, the war is lost, the Russians are just about on their doorstep, and I think she saw it as a kind of, well, it's all been a waste of time, but at least I'll go down in history as his wife. Yeah, do you think that was his final act of control over her? After 13 years of stringing her along, he can finally, like, take her to the grave of him. Like, well, it was finally his final concession. Remember, he said to her, uh, don't come and join me in the bunker, but she turned up anyway, and then he was very grateful. It was the only time he was ever seen in public kissing her. Do you think they ever had sexual intercourse? I mean, they, they interviewed uh, her hairdresser who said under oath that he had she told them that they had never had sex. Well, then they interviewed the people at Berchter's Garden, forgive my pronunciation, you know, the maids, and she said that you could tell from the bed that things had been happening. So there you go. I think they, um, the current opinion among, you know, Ian Kershaw, who's really regarded as the definitive biography, said, taking all this evidence into account, it is likely that Hitler and Eva Braun had normal sex intermittently. In other words, you know, they weren't at it. They, it wasn't regular, but it happened. And I think that's probably going to be the last word on it. Well, the other thing, too, is uh, towards the end of his life, I mean, how many drugs was he on? I wonder if, like... Huh. Being sexual wasn't you know, at the top of his priority list. I don't think it was top of his priority. Yeah, that, that's what I wonder. Um, it's a fascinating series, and I know we just kind of broached a few of the topics, but um, one thing they didn't really, they mm -hmm. mentioned, but they didn't really go into, is did he really have explosive flatulence? <laughs> oh, yes. He ate a lot of beans. That was his main <laughs> is it, diet. But is it beans, because he was a vegetarian? And sugar. Or did he have like Crohn's disease or something? He used to wake up in the middle of the night to eat this special cake that was just 100% sugar. Well, no wonder these All women were committing suicide. Well, um, <laughs> one of the first uh, biographies of Hitler was by a guy called John Tolland. And it was, how can I put it, it was a huge amount of information but the analysis wasn't, you know, quite at the Kershaw level. But he was the one who said Hitler was the most flatulent leader in modern history, <laughs> which is a very nice line. And there was a description in his early days when he was an up 